Support the podcast by buying a copy of Fortress of Shadow by Eric Kent Edstrom, available from Amazon, Apple, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, anywhere ebooks are sold, also available in paperback. There is no advertising on this podcast, and hey, and hey, it's a big fantasy audiobook extravaganza for free. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple, have you considered leaving a review? And if you've considered it, if you're enjoying the series, please give it a glowing five-star review. If you're not, well, why are you listening? Chapter 8. Fatebreaker If you think I'm going to let you screw that into my skull, you're a slag-brained... Kyla yelped as Jill elbowed her side. He's one of the seven Shadline Knights. A simple no will suffice. And stop it with the cheap's talk before you embarrass yourself further. Kyla lifted her chin. With egregiously fine enunciation, she said, No, Shadline Alt, I will not don that trinket, and I suppose it is not necessary for me to attend your Shadline congregation. I never swore the oath. Elle's jaw ground as if she were chewing gravel to dust. Impudent child. Didn't speak the oath? Shad Alt crowed. I see we have found a point of agreement between the so-called highest of kill and me. If she is no Shadline, then she has no business here. Go away, girl. The adults shall discuss what to do with you. Peace, all of you. Shad Lykea stepped between Alt's horse and Kyla. The two had moved closer and closer as the spat had escalated. Does she bear a shadline weapon? Lykea asked. Kyla drew her blade and held it up for inspection. It's called Cain. I've been told it's a shadline blade, but it's never done anything special but drink the blood of my enemies. As an afterthought, she blurted, Highest Annis Foro called it Fatebreaker. Shad Alt paled. His victorious smirk fell into a lip-bite of consternation. We must not let that blade leave the armory without a clear decision. I withdraw my demands that Kyla Sai be bound with the Vazan. It'll make little difference at the Hackwatch anyway. But mark me, girl, if you use your power to harm a single Shadline in the future— I will see you crowned with this relic, and then decrowned with my very own blade, Lord Might. He tapped the pommel of an enormous sword, the scabbard affixed to the horse. The crossguard alone spanned two feet. Shadlines, please, El said. Two of our own are grievously ill. Let us proceed to the hackwatch and save the bickering for the armory. Shad Lykea rushed into the brief silence that followed her plea. Yes, Elamin we is correct. He shouted orders for the Shadlines to turn about. He secured the donkey's lead to his saddle, then offered Kyla his horse. But Kyla would not leave Quinn's side. And more than that, as weary as she was, she was also wary. She would not become indebted to anyone, not even for a small favor. She sensed that the same intrigues that pervaded Grissonside radiancies were to be found among the Shadline as well. A disappointment, but no surprise. And also a lesson. 
Quinn had told her that there was no escaping politics, that as soon as one accumulated a small amount of power, others would seek to attach themselves to it, use it, or simply steal it. To protect oneself and those one loved required constant vigilance. In short, nothing had changed since Kyla had come to Starside with her father. Scheming for power wasn't her strength. If she had a strength, it was her will to protect those she loved. She huffed a weary sigh. Fat lot of good her will had done her. Everyone she loved had come to pain because of her. When, Henley, Quinn, Penny, Ragin, even Nax. None injured by her hand, but merely by being trapped within the fell storm that swirled around her. She kept her hand on the donkey's shoulder as they walked up the switchbacks. She made a show of ignoring Shad Alt, who rode behind them with the obvious intent of intimidating her. But she'd known bigger bullies than him. I'd feel safer walking into Doc's Villers' territory in Cheapskate, she sent to Nax. Then turn around. Kyla considered it. None could stop her, and yet Demkisk was upon them, and Yothazandra would soon be driving her forces south to conquer a realm for kill. Strange, she sent to Naxi. I have never met my enemy. I don't even know what she looks like. I don't know what she's capable of. All I know of her I've heard from others. Quinn's warnings rang anew in her mind. She resolved to hold her tongue during the armory. She'd learn what she could from these people, and hopefully see Quinn and Crit nursed back to health, and she had a further hope. Do you feel Lop? Yes, she waits ahead. She is hungry. I am hungry. Kyla closed her eyes and sighed with relief. If Lop was there, so was Fallow. Tell Lop to tell Fallow that Quinn is ill. He would want to be there when she arrived. Before the two had been separated, a little something had developed between them, as unlikely a match as Kyla could imagine, with Quinn's exquisite beauty drawing every eye and Fallow's strange and off-putting visage making children cry. Also, he was a scoundrel. She suspected that was what attracted Quinn the most. Kyla had grown up surrounded by scoundrels, she didn't see the appeal at all, which, she supposed, was why she'd found herself in Henley's arms. Lob says she's not telling Fallow anything until Fallow gives her more of his chicken. Kyla couldn't help but laugh. But it was a sad laugh. Lop's typically selfish interference reminded her of the humorous insults the boys so casually flung at each other, the true language of fraternal love. Kyla missed those days in the den the boys, the cats, and a caper in the offing. So simple, so free. Now, every step she took forward, she felt like she was leaving something precious behind. Some hope, some dream, some life that had almost been within her grasp. She missed her band of thieves, her family. Elle was walking alongside Kyla now. Her face had returned to its usual serene set, but there was a stiffness in her shoulders, and in one hand she toyed with a jade fish figurine, a worry stone, 
maybe a Mercus relic of some sort. Why didn't you tell me that Anisforal had called your dagger Fatebreaker? The woman asked. I'd forgotten it. It wasn't until Lycia asked about my blade that it occurred to me. You listen and obey without recognize what is happening, Carla, El said softly. It is a pattern for you. That moment just now was a fate hand, such a subtle one. It might have eluded us, and you might have returned to Tierling and missed an essential moment ahead. You must listen. Let the force of destiny whisper its hints to you, and all will be well. Kyla had been harangued by Jill about listen and obey, so much she could recite it like passages from the Theb, but she didn't hear anything with her Shadline instincts. In fact, her instincts had led her into trouble as often as they had got her out of it. Elle seemed done with chastising Kyla. Fatebreaker was not among the horde of Shadline weapons used to found this order, but it was known at the time. Jill had told Kyla all about the founding of the order, how after the synod of the new pantheon, the Triumvirate's army had come to a monastery outside of jealousy to rein in a rogue sect of Donesmasters who rejected the proclamations of the synod. Only seven escaped, but they took with them a horde of Mercosine weaponry. For years they followed the doctrine of listen and obey, making many harrowing escapes and slowly dispersing the weapons to those their instincts had led them to. In some cases, the weapons themselves had named their intended bearers. Legends like Linus, Reno, and Erig were well known to the tavern crowds of Starside. El continued, Your blade was removed from the collection long before the original seven left their monastery. It was stolen, actually. A master of good reputation had been assigned its study to unlock its mysteries and discover its powers. So this master stole it, Kyla said. Did you ever think he meant to sell it? I could understand why a master would grow bored with his life and decide to exchange his robes and vigils for fine cloaks and carriages. Jill snorted with exasperation from behind them. Kyla turned her head, surprised to find the woman trailing so closely. No doubt that possibility was considered, El said, and obviously we don't know what he discovered about it, except, she raised a finger to emphasize the point to come, the name Fatebreaker became attached to the missing blade. Perhaps he left some notes behind that were later lost. Perhaps he revealed something of the blade's nature to one of his friends. No record remains. Its legend has been a curiosity, usually dismissed as fanciful myth, until today. What fate can your blade break? The name alone is chilling to those who revere the force of destiny. When Kyla offered no insights, the woman pressed a shoulder to Kyla's and spoke directly into her mind. But it occurs to me that the man who absconded with your blade was a scholar of Shadline weapons. Perhaps he listened and obeyed. Perhaps all that has happened to it, age to age, was to guide it to your hands. How do you do this? Kyla sought the Mercus bolts El must surely be using to speak into her mind, but she found nothing. Like sendings she received through her bonds with Nax and Hentley, there was no Mercus in the sending itself to detect. In El's case, there was no new bond either. Some powers are reserved to domain. Do not be distracted by it. 
Focus instead upon your blade and its power. Listen for guidance. Kyla still held the blade. She turned it in her fingers, admiring the dark steel, the slender length, the memories it provoked of Wen and Father. I suppose we'll know its purpose when the moment comes, but I have it now. I certainly won't be handing it over to Shad Alt. Do not underestimate that man. He showed you the Vazan. Doesn't that strike you as strange? Now you know he has it. Now you are on guard. No, he would not show it to you unless he believed he could fit it to your skull if he so desired. Be alert, Sai. Be wary. We felt a threat in those who approached. I feel it still. There is a snake in the nest. <laughs>